I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. (gasps) No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi there, Duke fans. Welcome to episode 481 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We are hopping on. It's been like five minutes, maybe 10 minutes since uh, since Duke fell to Virginia Tech. The final score of the game. Uh, I don't even remember. What is it? I can't even find it. We lost by three. That's all. 78-75. 78-75. There it is. I couldn't find my box score for a second. I'm Jason Evans. I'm hosting this this. Son of a bitch. This, I'm so mad. I'm so mad. We should have. There are a lot of ways we could have, would have, should have won that game. But uh, we're going to talk about it regardless. Donald Wine and Sam Klein are here with me. Uh, you heard Donald a moment ago. How you feeling, my friend? <laughs> this this one, uh, I'm not even going to say the puns, but this was just a, this was just a, a bad loss in the sense you, that wait, you want to we say wanted it so bad. We actually, I thought we played well enough throughout a lot of the game to win it. And to come up this short is just, uh, it's just demoralizing. It's what it is. You you wanted to say it was a gut punch, but it was a throw. I punch. did. I That's did. You but I, <laughs> yeah. A sucker punch, you know, little things. Yeah. Yeah. Sam Klein is here with us as well. Sam, what, what, what are you doing at the moment? Well, uh, earlier today, I read a tweet about how dumb it is to be a sports fan and uh, <laughs> really just really feeling just really feeling that right now. It's just super, super dumb. So, yeah. 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 Should we talk about the game, though? Yeah, we might. Yeah, sure. Actually, you know, and we can start with the headlines. Uh, the 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 headline, the DBR, the DBR podcast uh, inbox is already blowing up 
Thomas White gave us Duke sucker punched as bell rings. Um, uh, let's see. Let's uh, we got a couple other good ones. Someone gave us uh, what was it? Yeah, Ken Swanner. Duke takes one on the chin. I think I think it was taking one in the throat, not in the chin. Uh, Chris Emershine punched out means no celebration for Duke. Everyone is focusing, I believe, on the final moments of the game when Kyle Filipowski was just punched right in the face. He got punched, punched in the throat. Yeah, in the throat, which like, hurts. It's kind of crazy. I, 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 I said I said to you guys before we get to our headlines. I just we got to address the the punching thing. Had a Duke player done that? It would mm-hmm. be, first of all, Twitter would be going insane right now. It'd be anarchy. It'd be anarchy. I said be. ESPN would be do, would already be producing a 30 for 30 about it. I mean, like, we'd be getting replays of Grayson Allen tripping guys. It would be the biggest thing that's ever happened. It would be a guy. montage of Duke. It'd be a montage of Leitner's stepping on Timberlake. It'd be, you know, uh, Henderson punching or slicing hands, bro. It'd be every Grayson Allen trip. It'd be everything, you know everything bad that duke has ever done in the course of like 60 years they would have a montage ready to go that would have a throat punch added to it but for some reason incidental contact is what it's called and here's the thing it is incidental contact but right i wait, 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 but, i'm gonna be clear anyone yeah. who says it was intentional is crazy There's yeah no it wasn't intentional. mj collins did not he was celebrating the biggest bucket of his basketball career great but, for him but he still punched him but like the other thing is we've talked over the last few years about how flagrant fouls at least flagrant one the element of intent has been dismissed from it it's just contact to the neck or above and let me tell you that was contact to the neck to the throat to the, to the voice box and it didn't matter that it, it, it shouldn't have mattered that it was incidental it mattered that contact occurred and that's what the rule says but i mean what do i know i guess i'm not a referee yeah, Sam. It was chime in here. It was violent. I, I, I like. I, I, I guess I didn't realize that the rules uh, gave you a pass for celebration. Uh, now, now we know, right? Now there are so many more things that Duke's going to be able to get away with because they'll just be celebrating all the time. I suppose I needed Jason to add one headline to your mix. Uh, yes, uh, listener John Weiner sent us uh, "Road Killed." Loss is a real throat punch, and I was going to include it anyway. And then I had him clarify the pronunciation of his name, which he took full ownership of. And it looks like from his signature, he's graduating from Duke Law School in a few months. So congrats Shout out to you, John Wiener, hey, counselor. class of 2023. Love to see now, it. No, wait, Jason, before we get to the actual rest of the game, this was what I was going to relate that throat punch to. Yes. If you guys noticed when when Derek Lively dunks, he dunks like Shaq used to dunk, where he basically he dunks it and his feet flip out. He kind of like yes. basically brings his feet up to kind of touch the rim, essentially. If he kicks somebody while he was dunking, he'd be thrown out of every he'd be thrown out for the rest of the season. Like that's how it would work. Even though it would be in the course of celebrating a dunk, he would have been called for it. And so that's why I don't think the celebration exception should count here but Derek course, Lively is going to love CrossFit if he ever picks it up yeah <laughs> <laughs> so I hear <laughs> I don't know that he, I don't know that he will but but if he does he's gonna love CrossFit Guys, wait, wait have- if we're if we're on we're, we're on the rough thing so I gotta do another one um in the late early in the second half I believe it was there was flop a call. flop call that that the flop call I've got wait I got my notes I have I have a page of notes wait one of my notes says the flop call was an abomination 
No. So let me tell you, this is where my soccer knowledge will kick in, guys. There is a true definition of what flopping is not. And Corey Alexander, shout out to him, nailed it perfectly. It cannot be a flop if there is any contact. That's like literally a flop is when you try to feign contact by falling down as if you were hit. But if you are actually hit, flopping cannot be considered. It can be embellishment, but it cannot be flopping. And the problem was is that not only he took a full shot to the chops, Jeremy Roach did, fell down. The, it, was, it was a basilet, like went up and did a layup and then fell. And then five seconds later, here comes the flop call. I think that was awful. And they really need to examine, again, what the true definition of a flop is. If contact is involved, you can call it a block if you want. I wouldn't have, I would have been mad, but I would have been fine with it. You can call it a charge, but you cannot call it a flop. All right, guys, let's let's get our focus back. Do, do either of you have a headline? Donald, uh, uh, Sam, Sam, give me a headline. I had, ouch. <laughs> that, that was it. That works. On theme. On theme. Donald, yeah, ouch. Ouch. I actually don't have one because that was perfect. And a lot of the people coming in right after on our, uh, what is now the headline hotline, um, they had, a, had a bunch of them that I would have used. And by the way, ouch, uh, obviously applies to Kyle Filipowski, but more importantly, and we may talk about this, mm -hmm. right? Derek Whitehead went down with, we don't know what the injury is, but we can speculate on the handful of, you know, small handful of things that it could be. The scariest of which I think is potentially an Achilles. Achilles tear, yeah. And uh, if that's an Achilles tear, he's done. Yeah, no question season. about it. That's you don't you don't you don't return from an Achilles injury in two and a half months, which is all that is potentially left here for Duke. So that could have been the last time we see Derek Whitehead. We don't know if that's the case, but uh, it was it was pretty gruesome. And then he wasn't walking at the end. He was uh, he was carried off. And reappeared on crutches, but that was not, that's not a good sign. Even for a guy who we've talked about has not lived up to his potential yet this year. It felt like early in this game, he was starting to round into form. He was having one of his best games of the season when he went down. He, I mean, when he went down, if you think about it, he went down. And honestly, I, I was talking about this with my friend. Like, I thought that he had taken a shot to the, to the nether region. Like the way he kind of crumpled, it wasn't like an immediate. Right, I thought like, so too. Yeah, ex, it, it, immediate excruciating pain. It looked like, oh man, I got hit, and he's kind of like slow to get up. But when he hobbled, he put his foot down, and all of a sudden, he was on one leg and literally tried to finish out that play with one leg. They uh, Virginia Tech gets a basket, so they stop play, and then he was able to hobble to the bench on one leg. But we never saw him put any weight on that leg. The last for the other rest of the time we see him, he had to be helped into the locker room. He was on crutches at the end. This might be bad. Like, I honestly, like, I hope it's hard to say this, but I hope it's just an ankle spray, right? Like, yeah, I hope it's just a high ankle spray, but it's it looked a lot worse. And Duke didn't even get the Kevin Ware magic dust as a result of it. You know, I thought, like, mm -hmm. oh, he goes down and then Kyle Filipowski is like, I'm going to score every point. Uh, I, I thought that Duke <laughs> was at least going to get the win. Thanks to that, but they didn't even get that much. I, I I want to point out, and these this matters. If if this is an Achilles tear, which just based on you know where that ice was, Donald, the ice was not on the ankle. It was on the it was on the back of the calf. It's on the Achilles. I know. And he was yeah. and he was grabbing it. It might be it. 
I mean, we're we're the three we're, of us not qualified for this. Yeah, but yeah, he yeah he was in the he was in the region where the Achilles is. Usually, it, when you snap your Achilles, the re I feel like the reaction is usually more uh, abrupt. It's just like, oh well, my Achilles is shot. I am on the ground. But yeah, think there there's I mean, and this is a bad example in this case. But Kobe Bryant when he tore his Achilles. Was down did not react at all. Well, he was down immediately, but he didn't react as if it was an Achilles. Because if you remember, he walked, he basically walked slowly to the sideline and then he walked back. He made two free throws and then slowly basically like fouled so that he could, you know, sub his way off. But he had he had weight on his foot the entire time. This was not the case with Rick White. And usually when you don't have weight on your feet, it's because of a sprain. But this, I mean, again, when he clutched the back of his leg, that's where we all started to kind of tense up a little bit. Yeah, and the terrifying thing for him would be if it, and I hate to speculate, we have no idea. If it is an Achilles tear, though, I'll just go ahead and say it, that he won't be ready in time for the draft. Like an Achilles tear is maybe nine months. six months, but it's more like nine months to a year, mm-hmm. um, which would just be terrible for Derek Whitehead. And the really sad thing is, one of my notes on this game, one of the very first things I wrote down was Derek Whitehead looked more aggressive. He was looking for his shot. He was taking the ball into the lane in ways we haven't really seen a lot from him. We we were starting, I feel like in this game, we were starting to see the Dariq Whitehead that was sort of promised, so to speak. And it w- uh, it's just so tragic. It's uh, Please let it only be something that he's out for a couple of weeks. Please let him be able to fulfill his NBA dreams. And Jason, you said that was on offense. On defense, he was also coming into form. And we'll, we'll talk... Uh, I think extensively about the defensive performance tonight, but Whitehead showed flashes tonight of uh, elite defensive ability before he went down. So we're going to miss, we won't even know what we were going to miss, but we will very likely miss him at both ends of the court. And like you said, hopefully it's not for as long as we fear it could be. I'm just going to add to the good of Dariq Whitehead because he was actually one of my good before this happened. And it's a shame that we have to talk about the injury with the good, but I agree with both of you. I think the way that he was coming out, he again, he was aggressive on offense. He was fighting a shot. His three-pointer looked really smooth. He hit his first two, and then he hit a third one, which where he had his toe in the line, but it was clear that he had that confidence. And it felt like for him that it was a point where he felt like he, along with Kyle Filipowski, could take over the game on the offensive end. And on defense, like you said, he was – and it's a hustle play that he was trying to do where where the injury occurred. It wasn't – you know, where something something random happened. It was him going for the ball and trying to, you know, make a play on the ball and just missing it. And, and in fact, even as he came down on the leg, he still had his hand on the ball uh, as he was trying to figure out a way to make a play. So I, I just, that aggressiveness, that, that pressure that he had on defense and just the way that he kind of asserted himself into this game was promising. Um, and it's just a shame we have to talk about the neg- the big negative of the game, him going down with that injury. All right, let's try. I, I will try to steer us back on course. Let's hit. Let's hit the good. I, I don't know. I guess actually, Whitehead was both the good and the bad. By the way, he was he was Duke's. He tied for Duke's second leading scorer in this game, even though right. he he missed virtually the entire second half. It's oh, such a pity. Let's let's continue with more good. There there absolutely was good to see in this game, and uh, and it was named Kyle Filipowski. <laughs> a really really impressive performance from him. Uh, Sam, I'll let you go first. Man, uh, just what can't this guy do at this point? On offense, Kyle Filipowski was doing things that Jeremy Roach 
tries to do every night, right? He was like getting into the lane with all these like, and with, by the way, Jeremy Roach had a few incredible plays tonight. That's not to take away from him, but Filipowski was, was doing some of those moves at his size, just getting around up and under scoring in, in all kinds of ways. Uh, there were a couple shots he had blocked. Maybe I should save this for the bad, but we're talking about Filipowski here. Uh, he gets his shot blocked too much, but when he doesn't get his shot blocked, it almost always goes in. And so that was incredible. 29 points, 10 rebounds, uh, also a menace on defense. Duke was able to, like Virginia Tech is a is a good three-point shooting team. Duke was still able to put a lot of big guys on the perimeter and hang around with Virginia Tech's guards in a lot of ways, not just Filipowski. I'll I'll give credit also to Ryan Young and Derek Lively in, in that category because there were a lot of times where they were switched on to smaller players and they at least performed, you know, okay. We're not going to say they performed great. Virginia Tech still shot the ball really well and obviously scored 78 points in a game that, that I don't think any of us expected to be as high scoring as it was. But at least that element of the defense highlighted by Flip was uh, was pretty awesome. Yeah, and, and I mean, there's so many things you can say about Kyle Filipowski. Uh, one, one of the things that I want to point out is that he picked up that third foul fairly early in the the second half. And you saw Virginia Tech go at him again and again and again. Basile was going at him repeatedly. I think it was Basile. I think Basile. I think we got Basile. Whatever his name is, he was going at Kyle Filipowski again and again, attempting to pick up Kyle's fourth foul, which probably, based on the way this game played out, probably would have been fatal for Duke. And Filipowski was playing good defense and not fouling. And I, I thought he did the same thing against Clemson the other day when he picked up all those charging fouls and, and they were trying to get his fourth foul or fifth foul to get him out of the game. And it's kind of amazing that he picks up, that he gets in foul trouble as often as he does, because once he gets in foul trouble, he goes, okay, I'm able to play defense now and not pick up any fouls. And I thought he did a really, really nice job of that. Donald, give me a little more on flip. If you got it. Yo, 14 points in the first half. I thought he was really aggressive inside trying to establish that in the second half, especially early in the second half, he put the stretch and stretch four. And and if we, you know, we've talked about Flip's ability to shoot the three, but he hasn't really done it, you know, very well this year. I think he was shooting 25% or something like that entering the game, but he went four of eight. And most of that came in the second half where he made three in a row. Uh, and there was a couple where he it just rimmed out. It wasn't that they were, you know, bad shots, but he was again, putting the stretch and stretch four. And if we're going, we're going to need that out, you know, outside shooting and we're going to need it from, I mean, even if he can pull a big out of the, out of the way, he was doing a lot of things on the perimeter where they had to send out a guy to guard him. And because of that, a lot of the lane opened up for guys like Jeremy Roach and Tyrese Proctor. So, uh, and, and even Ryan Young had a couple of instances where he found himself open under the basket because of the fact that Kyle was on the wing and was able to pull one of the big guys out of the lane for him to kind of thrive. So I, I, I liked that part and the fact that it was kind of a tale of two halves for him in the sense that he worked the inside in the first half and in the second half, he was more of an outside player. So as we move on to some of the other players that I thought were good, um, Tyrese Proctor, even though he struggled a little bit from the outside uh, with his, you know, he hit, he hit a huge three-pointer, then missed a huge three-pointer, but it's, you know, it comes and goes with him. I, I thought he had another, we've been talking about him lately and I thought Tyrese Proctor had another nice game. He has six assists in this game and I want to highlight one of them. It almost made my favorite play of the game. The, the play with two and a half minutes left Shot clock is running down and 
like Filipowski had the ball and couldn't do anything with it. Roach had the ball, couldn't do anything with it. Proctor was the guy who was like, okay, I'll do something with it. And went into the lane and fed uh, Ryan Young for a real, Ryan Young, by the way, made a beautiful finish. That play mm-hmm. with two and a half minutes left, that kept Duke in. The reason we had a chance at the end was because of that play. Because Duke was in a dry spell at that moment. And I thought, you know, I was indicative of, Tyrese Proctor's ability to get shots for other guys again and again. It's something that, frankly, no one else in this Duke team is doing consistently, and I thought he had another nice game. The offensive sets still don't make sense to me. Like, I don't know when Proctor has the ball what two or three things he's looking to try to do. I can't tell sort of – and maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm not able to pick up on this. I'm, I'm not a trained basketball coach, but I cannot tell sort of what the – what the action is moving towards, who we're trying to get open at any point. But as you said, Jason, Proctor looks a lot more comfortable on offense in this game. He also almost has Duke's first 10-5-5. He was one rebound away from the first 10-5-5 game for the season. But uh, I, I agree with you. Proctor is a highlight for me here. He only goes two for six from three, but one of them is that huge three he hits near the end. He obviously misses the one uh, right at the end of the game, but I think a massive improvement for him and he, I, he, it feels like Proctor is the guy we are sort of talking about the most in the category this year of like, we don't know if he's good or bad. Like we don't know if he's, <laughs> if he's like, if he's going to be the star of the show or if he's going to be the goat and the, the goat in a bad way, I suppose. And in this game, I felt like he, he, he played much better within himself. He started uh, and, and Jeremy Roach came off the bench I don't know if that's the right, you know, oh, way to play them. I, I'll say it right now. I think there's no way Tyrese Proctor isn't a starter going forward, especially because Whitehead's out now. I think you're going to Ro- see well, and and Roach ends up still playing 31 minutes. Yeah, so mm-hmm. uh, th- there's plenty of opportunities for them to play together. Blake's clearly is still hurt because there were times tonight when when uh, I think Duke could have used Jalen Blake's and 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 they didn't. But yeah, I agree with you, Jason. I'm I'm proud of Tyrese Proctor's effort, and I hope that his improvement continues because he's not the version of himself that we anticipated coming into the season just yet. So Sam, you were talking about something at the beginning of your comments that I wanted to play off of about you're not sure that Duke seems to have a a, a plan on offense much of the time. And it, it looks like you can't sort of tell what Proctor's trying to, to do. It looks like Duke mostly just passes, not even passing the ball around the perimeter. We mostly do handoffs around the perimeter and like, oh, let's, can you get something? Can you get something? I can't get anything. I want to read you guys something that I sent, uh, a text message that I sent to a, a bunch of my friends, fellow class of eight, class of 89 buddies. We have a little Duke text chain that we're all um, uh, talking on constantly. And I wrote this, uh, in, it was in the first half when things were really going south for Duke for a little while. I said, the reality is this team needs a more structured offensive game plan to make up for the fact that they are poor shooters and they don't have many good creators. But, Structured pattern offensive sets have not been a part of Duke basketball since before John Shire was in uniform. I'm not sure that Shire even knows how to coach that because I don't think he's ever sort of seen it in action. But I agree with you, Sam. I don't know that this team has much of an idea of what it wants to do on offense. Jason, I I understand where you're coming from, but John Shire installed a one three one zone defense in this game. And I don't know that coach K ever did that. So there, there's no reason why he can't go, you know, watch some film or, or check out some YouTube videos and figure out how to, 
how to install uh, an offensive set here. So I I think, though, going back to uh, Tyrus Proctor, he led what I thought, you know, was one of the keys to this game entering the game was ball movement. You know, there was a couple of times in the first half where especially when we were on uh, that kind of scoring rut, uh, we started out the game seven, you know, on a seven zero run. And then all of a sudden, you know, Virginia Tech storms back. And a lot of it was because we weren't moving the ball around. We had 17 assists for the game uh, as a team. And, you know, and, and Proctor had six of those. And I think the ball movement was where we got back into the game. It was finding guys open. Of course, knocking down shots helps. But, you know, a lot of guys finding people in the corner, finding people in the wing, driving the lane. And again, that Tyrese Proctor play where he kind of fed it underneath to Ryan Young, who did that, you know, under the under the uh, hoop scoop for a score. Uh, those sort of plays again, help momentum build. And I I think when it comes to Duke, we are starkly different team when we don't move the ball around than we are when we do move the ball around. I thought we, you know, we just have to figure out how to do that for 40 minutes of basketball. We just couldn't put that together. And when we get in these scoring ruts, it always almost feels like someone has to go one-on-one to get us out of it. When I think passing the ball around will make us help make that go away a lot sooner. I thought we did great, and I thought Tyrese Proctor led the way with his passing. All right, guys, the last thing I've gotten the good is I did want to mention that I thought Ryan Young, it wasn't wasn't like his best game, but he had a he had a decent game. He scores eight points, four of six shooting. He ended up grabbing eight rebounds, had a couple offensive rebounds. By the way, Duke struggled in offensive rebounding in this game big time. Uh, we, we will we'll get to that when we get to the bad, but uh, that, that, do you, you guys have anything else in the good that we need to need to identify in this contest? Ryan Young makes plays, but like he, as you noted, there was that yeah. there was the the bucket that he had near the end of the game. Uh, there were a couple times where where he got the rebound and put it back up, or just did nifty stuff. There is actually I'm gonna I'm gonna take issue with a, a stupid announcer thing, which is uh, I. I I think it was Corey Alexander said something to the effect of Ryan Young is not as athletic as Grant Basile. And I, I don't know all the ways yeah, one I can measure that. I don't know all the ways one can measure athleticism, but Ryan Young can get from point A to point B at different sides of the block very quickly, much more quickly mm-hmm. than, than almost anybody else that I've seen play center at in college basketball, especially at his size. So Ryan Young is very athletic. Uh, does he, does he look good running down the court? No, but uh, he can score and he can do it in ways that you were like, wait, w- w- how did the ball get there? So great. I, I agree with you, Jason. I'm, I'm, this is the, this is the version of Ryan Young, like the good version that we sort of were like hoping for the the amazing version that we've seen in a couple games. Uh, I, we just can't expect that every night. And don't mistake old man game for lack of athleticism, because there's a lot of athleticism that's present in an old man game. Cause you have to, to kind of get to some of these points and kind of be, uh, you know, creative with getting your shot off. And he's able to do that. Is he, you know, no, he's not LeBron James athletic, but it's a different type of athleticism that he's bringing out to the floor. And he's able to, again, find his way to make make baskets happen. It's just that the position of his head relative to his shoulders is wrong. That's the only, <laughs> that's the only problem with the way that Ryan Young is moving. But otherwise, he's great. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we got to focus on the bad a little bit, and I guarantee you, we're going to talk about the fact that Virginia Tech, God, those guys, when they play us, they hit every damn shot. That story when the DBR podcast continues.
This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup is sponsored by BetterHelp. Springtime is the season that's supposed to feel like a new beginning. We have better weather, and it feels like everyone gains a boost of energy. However, for many, leaving winter behind doesn't always mean that their mood lightens up with the extra sunlight. We all carry around stress, and that stress can build as more events get added to your calendar. That's certainly true, Donald. And with the amount of social gatherings increasing with the improving weather and more daylight, there's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family, friends, coworkers, even strangers, even when stress has you a little bit down. And for some, getting advice from a therapist can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about. That's what BetterHelp is all about. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a professional, licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime you want. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Duke Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Duke Roundup. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Gentlemen, we're back from the break. And it's time to talk about the bad from this game where the Blue Devils lost 78 to 75 to Virginia Tech. I, I teased it up a moment ago. Virginia Tech in this game hits 57% of their field goals. They hit 52% of their three-pointers. Uh, just, God. And they it, cooled off in the second half. Yeah, they were 7 of 10 in the first half. Oh, they were they were 3 of 9 in the second half. Yeah, that's really Which cool. is still, like, fine. Yeah. You know, it's like not it's not great, but it's not bad. I I wonder uh, why did the Duke program burn the tape of the ACC championship game? Like, did we just yeah. forget that Hunter Couture could do that? 
because he was out there just bombing away. And and this is now the second game in a row that Hunter Couture has done that to Duke. So I am not sure uh, what the game plan was with him. Sean Padula was three for five from from three. I mean, it was it was a clinic for Virginia Tech from shooting. And by the way, if you want to twist this into a good. Probably no one's going to do that again to Duke. Virginia Tech had had just the right crowd input to this. I mean, there are this is a. This is a razor thin loss for Duke. We we mentioned that Derek Whitehead had his foot on the line for a three pointer. Like Duke, Duke stands half a step farther back from the three point line. This is a one point loss, and maybe the play call at the end is different. I mean, there are so many ways in which this game was almost a win for Duke. And if if Duke had come out victorious in this one, we would have got on here and been like, man, what a gutty victory coming back from Whitehead's injury. Like the 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 narrative here could have been. So much better, and it was such a close margin. But, man, the shooting for Virginia Tech was so hard to watch. And the thing about Hunter Couture is he took 11 shots. He took 11 shots in this game. Ten of them were from behind the arc. The only one that he took that was inside the arc was a was a free throw that he shot after hitting a three-pointer and getting fouled. Like, he took all of his shots from outside the arc. And the thing was, in the first half, he was making them. But even still a lot of those were long rebounds. And Jason, you mentioned the fact that we were, you know, kind of poor getting rebounds at times during this game. There was a couple of times where some of his misses turned into two point baskets underneath because they were able to scoop up some loose ball and then put it back in. So that was the thing about Hunter Couture is not only could he make the shots, but he also can stretch your defense out so much that you can't rebound and go the other way. I mentioned in the good that I liked the way that some of Duke's bigs were able to hold their own on the perimeter on defense. I don't think that shows up in the shooting numbers, but in the bad here on, on the topic of like how Duke was playing defense, I'm not sure that John Shire should keep going with this, with this zone defense that Duke played for short stretches tonight. It clearly didn't work. Duke was not like Virginia tech was able to carve right through it, whether they were shooting or, or taking the ball right to the hoop. More importantly, it wasn't clear that all the Duke players knew what their assignments were. And I actually think that that they're close to getting to the point where they understand all the switching they need to do if they're if they're doing like the the, the switching everything defense. It's all it almost feels like it's easier for them to grasp because it's just like we have athletes. Kyle Filipowski can handle being on the perimeter. Like maybe Ryan Young can't handle standing on the perimeter for a for an extended period on defense, but basically everybody else on this roster can. So let him do the switching. Let him push up against guys, especially guys like Virginia Tech who want to take three pointers. Get in their faces more. That this is what I wanted to see. And 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 in the second half, it felt like Duke got into a little bit more of a rhythm on defense during that comeback, where where yeah, Virginia Tech still ends up scoring seventy eight points in the game. But Duke was closing out much better on defense in the second half. It was just so non-existent in the first half. Yeah, and and you know there was a there was a moment in the first half. I just wanted to point this out. Speaking of defense, where John Shire went with a lineup of Jeremy Roach, Tyrese Proctor, Jeremy Blakes, Derek Whitehead, and Ryan Young. Uh, that's a small lineup by Duke standards. Really, really small. I mean, Whitehead who usually is playing, you know, like the two was playing the four and Ryan Young, God love him, but he's, he's sort of the least defensively intimidating of our, of our big men. Uh, both Kyle Filipowski and, and Derek Lively are for sure better defenders and, 
and you know more apt to block shots and and switch and more switchable and all that other kind of stuff. I was like, I saw that lineup out there: Roach, Proctor, Blake's, Whitehead, and Young. And I was like, what's Shire thinking right now? And Virginia Tech, by the way, immediately went inside and scored an easy bucket. And that lineup didn't get anything for Duke on offense. I was like, this is just a bit. What are we doing? This is a big mistake. Literally, like a minute and a half later. He brought Filipowski and uh, Mark Mitchell back into the lineup. By the way, they replaced Bl- Blakes and Proctor. So, like I said, Whitehead went from playing the four to playing the two. And, and I thought Duke's defense in this game, I guess we were we had stretches in the second half that were good. But for the most part, I get that they were switching. I thought the switches sometimes were a big mistake. Like, I think they're almost too eager to switch. Uh Mark Mitchell, there was when Kyle Filipowski picked up his third foul with 15 and a half minutes left. That was on a play where Mark Mitchell got completely lost and ended up switching on to Kyle Filipowski's man, even though Flip was still on that guy and it left someone wide open. And that's why Flip went back, you know, and picked up the foul. It was if you if you watch that play, like I said, the 15 and a half minute mark, Mitchell gets completely lost on defense. It is really tough to play the kind of switching defense we're doing with so many freshmen. And and it it gives up some easy buckets. Mitchell had, I think, the toughest night for Duke. He he, as you said, Jason, was yeah. lost a lot on defense. And, and, and on really quick on, on offense, the number of times like teams leave him alone. Like the rest of the guys are more scary for opposing teams than Mark Mitchell is at this point. And, Even though Duke is taking all these long twos, like yeah, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. no, uh, but and and Mitchell must have had a half dozen times that we fed him on a cut or, you know, he was getting the ball going toward the bucket and, and the defense was having to adjust to it because they weren't expecting him to be the guy with the ball. And he didn't finish a single one of them. I don't think. I think a lot of the reason for the switching kind of not working is that a lot of it came late, right? Especially the top of the key here on the wing. We do this kind of weave drill on offense sometimes, but when, you're going to switch. You need to call that out immediately and you need to switch immediately. There's a couple of times where the guy who was supposed to switch off kept going with the defender that they were with before. And all of a sudden you had two guys guarding the guy that did not have the ball. And the guy with the ball was going the, going around them and had wide open range to either drive the lane or take a shot. The issue with that leads to my point that I want to make was about free throws and fouls. We had a couple of times inside the paint where I thought we had some good defensive plays that ended with bad fouls and it sent them to the line. You know, we were eight for 12 from the free throw line. They were 12 for 19. That's a classic Duke stat that usually is flipped. We usually like to make more free throws than the other team attempts. They made as many free throws as we attempted. And the problem was, is a lot of them was we, we arrive late in the paint we arrive late on the wing when someone's taking a shot and because of that we get some cheap fouls called on us and you know we didn't have i don't i think we maybe only only had one uh offensive foul when i was a charge uh, i i thought we did much better in that regard on offense but on defense i think it's just showing up just a split second too late and when you're a split second too late in the acc guys are either going to score on you or they're going to go to the free throw line or in the case of a lot of a lot of times what happened tonight both happened yeah, by the way, the, the four-point difference at the free-throw line, Donald, was the entire – I mean, like, we lost the game by three. Uh, I, I do want to point out that Duke missed some important free-throws in this game. We have been a team that has been incredibly clutch at the free-throw line, and in this game we were not. But in all fairness, I want to point out, so did Virginia Tech. <laughs> both teams. Right. The free-throw line – They kept and, us in the game by, at late with those yeah, with a lot of misses teams, on their end. 
as good as they both both clubs were on offense in in many aspects of the offense, they were they were pretty bad at hitting important free throws in this game. All right, guys, we're going to move on and wrap things. Uh, Donald, real wait, I, real quick, think? real yeah. quick, yeah, real quick. The last thing I want to do. Um, I know we haven't had a lot of in-game situations like we did tonight. We're you know we're down a couple points with the ball in a couple of seconds left. You got to get the entry pass in. I think that's the only thing I'll say about it. It's, I'm not yeah. entirely upset about it, but you know we had a chance to tie and go to overtime. Um, but you have to give us a chance, and by doing that, you have to make a good play. And we didn't turn the ball over that much tonight, but that was a crucial one. Yeah. By the way, on that last play, I, I, I rewatched it a few different times to see Hunter Couture steal the ball. First of all, you know, hat tip to him. He he went hard and mm-hmm. uh, and knew he had a chance to get it, and it was a, a great play on his part. Uh, the the way that play was supposed to be run was Jeremy Roach was supposed to run Hunter Couture off a screen that Mark Mitchell was setting. I'm not going to blame Mark Mitchell. Mark Mitchell didn't make any contact with Hunter Couture, didn't even begin to slow him down. Hunter Couture saw the screen coming a mile away and just avoided it. I, I think blame goes to both Mitchell and Jeremy Roach. Roach didn't run Hunter Couture off the screen, and Roach didn't go after the ball hard, because, you know, partially, I think, because he figured no one was going to try and steal it from him there. But those moments late in the game, you know, final few seconds, that's you, you've got to do everything right. And Mark Mitchell didn't do it right. Frankly, Ryan Young's inbound pass wasn't done right. And Jeremy Roach absolutely did not go to the ball and didn't run his man off the screen to ensure that he was open. Uh, it, it's frustrating. You know, you, you you had a chance down three. I I, I just wish it, it, we would have gotten and, it. And, so. and Duke managed the the end game, I think, pretty well. Pretty well, in terms yeah. Of, like strategy, right? Mm-hmm. They they took shots at the right times. And as you said, they had they had a chance there to at least tie it up at regulation and then just totally miffed it. So, yeah. All right. So, uh, Sam, you say you want to do a player of the game. We, we yeah, usually I, wait for the player of the week, but you want I to know, do a player of the game? I know, but can we, can we just be, can we just take one more second to, to honor and uh, Kyle Filipowski? Uh, he yeah. also, I think since the last time we spoke, earned his like 18th ACC rookie of the week award. I think actually it was his so, sixth, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> Same thing. Uh, so, so let's just give pro- – I think this was also a career high for him. Uh, you know, ho-hum, Kyle Filipowski drops 29 points. So, yeah. I, I just 10, wanted yeah. To, yeah, I just wanted to say that. I just want to say real briefly, uh, on the throat punch, uh, Seth Greenberg agrees with us. And if Seth Greenberg agrees with us, you know it was a flagrant foul. Just going to leave it there. Oh, I haven't seen it. What did Seth say? Seth said, and I'm quoting from his Twitter, crazy last play, the call was adjudicated incorrectly. There does not have to be intent. If there was intent, it would be a flagrant two, but because of the contact above the shoulder, it must be a flagrant one. Yeah, I don't believe that the ACC does, you know, a final two minute kind of thing that the NBA does. And and I don't know, I don't really know why the NBA does it because all it does is set your referees up to be criticized. Uh, you know, the NBA every so often will come up with thing. Yeah, by the way, we completely blew that call. Sorry, Lakers, mm-hmm. you lost the game. Sorry, Hawks, you lost the game. On that's on this call that was completely wrong. I mean, I guess I kind of admire them for having the stones to do it. If I was a referee, I'd I'd hate that. <laughs> but if there was a final two minute thing, I I absolutely believe that uh, that someone official would say the refs got it wrong. But whatever. Hey guys, we do have to do our play of the game. We did our player. We have to do our play of the game. You guys ready for that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's do it. Good, Donald. Hit me. What's your play of the game? So. 
So I did like the Proctor play, and I know you probably were going to go with that. So I went with this one. At the start of the second half, it's actually a series of two plays in the span of about 45 seconds. Flip made that three in the corner and then came back and made another three in the corner right in front of the Duke bench just at the start of the second half. Again, I think him being a stretch four, him putting the stretch part in the in that four in the second half was crucial for us it helped us get back into the game it gave us a lot of a lot of mojo uh and really for him it gave him the confidence because he was uh, you know otherworldly at times during this game I, I think the fact is if we can get him to start hitting threes consistently this man's going to be a stone cold killer um and i i think that was my favorite play was the fact that he was able to bring a single handley back into the game at that point by just starting off the half with those two threes sam favorite play I liked the Kyle Filipowski breakaway uh, Eurostep thing because uh, oh, guys, that was cool. Guys, Kyle Filipowski's size and age should not be able to do that. Yeah, uh, my favorite play was going to be back-to-back plays. It was both going to be the play right before the Euro where Filipowski um, went uh, into the lane, drove into the lane, and dished it off to Derek Lively for for the Shaq slam. As uh, we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna call it that from now on, uh, and then the very next play, the Duke gets a steal, and and he had that Euro layup. By the way, not my favorite play, but I did want to shout out at the 19 minute mark of the second half. There was a play where Derek Whitehead drove the ball to the baseline and kicked it out to Tyrese Proctor all the way cross court. It was a super difficult pass. Like the announcers didn't give Whitehead enough credit on that pass. I was like, I wrote it down. I'm like, that's 100 percent going to be my play of the game. No question about it. And then flip <laughs> just flip went crazy. So it, it overtook him. But I. I you know, we lamented this earlier. God, Whitehead, I could, I felt like it was coming on for him in this game, and I'm just so, so bummed. But, oh well. Mm. Nothing else, son, gentlemen. <laughs> He's gonna leave you hanging there, huh? <laughs> nope, nope. That was that was that was perfect. Okay, yeah, we will leave I, it there then. I, I I got nothing else. I'm sorry. I, I like. Can we can we reiterate one more time? We really hope that Derek Whitehead is is healthy as soon as possible from yes, this one. I mean, indeed. that's the. That's the that's the big takeaway from this. Duke has a lot of positive, I think, things they can look at from this game. They have a lot of clear things to learn from this game. They now have a few more days off because they're not going to play again until Saturday. But uh, really hope that Tariq Whitehead is okay. Yeah, and look, we're in a really, really tough – we, we had a six-game stretch here that everyone says is going to make or break the season in terms of having a chance to to be a contender in the ACC. This is the first of those six games, and it is a uh, you know a, a, a just a tough outcome. If Virginia Tech – has a normal game, then Duke wins this probably comfortably. But that's what happens. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Yeah. Jason, you're going to be in the building on Saturday. I am. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. I should sure tell that, people that. that. That Duke wins. I will I will make sure that Duke wins. Yes. Duke uh, tries to get another road game, road win as we travel to Georgia Tech on Saturday. We will have a full preview of that uh, in an edition of the DBR Bites a little bit later this week. And I will be in attendance. And I've already gotten, God, at least four emails from people who are like, Hey, is Jason going to be there? I'd love to hook up with him. So I've got to, yep. I got to find a place. I'm going to figure out some place. I will announce later this week some place that I'll be pregame because doing it after the game is difficult. Doing it halftime, too many people. But pregame, I'll find some place that I'll say, "Hey, come by and meet me," and and I'll say hi to all you uh, because God, we we just love interacting with with all the all the listeners. It is a great treat and a privilege that you all have invited us into your Duke fandom. Uh, should I Absolutely. should I tell you then that I will. Uh for basically for work travel reasons be at the Miami game uh what is it uh, in in 2 weeks from today so uh 
You're gonna have to I, find I, a place to meet everybody. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so uh, if you have if you have ideas of where I should be going uh, in Coral Gables, let me know because I'm I'm gonna be down there for for that one. So that's fun. Donald Donald's really the the most important person for that because he's just gonna tell me all the spots to go. Uh, I I already mm-hmm. I already yep. I already hit him up about about that trip in general. So we we, uh, we should do a DBR bites. It's nothing but Donald telling Sam where to hang out in in South Beach. And and I can tell I you where to hang out in. Yeah, mm. uh, yeah, exactly. I, I'm 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 not sure. I don't know. If, I don't know if that could be a bites, man. That's that's X rated. <laughs> we gotta go. We gotta I can go. tell you. I can tell you places to go in Cambridge. None of it's X rated. Yeah, there we uh, go. <laughs> All right, so we wrap it up with a laugh, gentlemen. For Donald and Sam, I am Jason. Thanks for listening once again to the DBR podcast. Send us those emails. DBRpodcast at gmail.com. Here's the Duke band. Play us out and take us home.